10. And all the kids move off for their play practice. We'll get going. Uh, glad that you're all here this week. Hope you had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving, a time with family. Um, it's always sweet. It's always sweet for us. So um, today, <clears throat> we'll be back in our series. And <clears throat> this is really the end of our series. Oh, that's sad. Uh, next week, we'll still be in the book of Revelation, uh, but my father-in-law, Rod Whitney, will be sharing with us out of Revelation 5. So my name's Michael. I'm the pastor here. Uh, if you're uh, new with us or you're online, now you know. And so we're in this series. We've been in the book of Revelation. It's a series devoted just to the church evaluating itself and really us doing the same thing. And to be honest, anytime we open up the Scripture, anytime we get together, and we look at God's Word, it should always be a time of self-examination. Uh, it's interesting how uh, the Word of God does that whenever we look at it. It reveals things to us um, that we probably wouldn't be able to see on our own. And so I hope that that happens today too. And so the title for today is just Thankful for the Throne Part 2. So we talked about being thankful for the throne, and that was part one at the beginning of this week. Now we're looking at part two in Revelation chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there. If you're not already there, we'll be starting in verse 6. And the phrase that I want you to remember is creatures and glory, creatures and glory. Um, and now when we start to see parts of uh, books of prophecy and we see some like things that are weird to us or we don't quite understand, uh, we tend to shy away from those. Uh, maybe you don't, and that's a good thing if you don't. You wanna try to, we want to try to understand it and what it means. Uh, and so we come across these texts, we go, oh, these are weird. Wait, there's some living beings here. There's some creatures. They've got a lot of eyes it's kind of creepy. I don't know what's going on. And so today, hopefully, we can understand a little bit of that and, and just be able to point in this direction of uh, God's glory and, and why these beings are here and, and who I think they are. And we always, when we watch movies, I think about movies um, that were made by guys like C.S. Lewis and um, J.R.R. Tolkien. And we, you, know, you see like uh, fanciful creatures and, and things that you wouldn't see in the normal world. And we kind of just write that off as like, oh, that's that's fantasy. Well, it may be you know, on our earth, but in heaven there are uh, beings that are very diverse, that have lots of wings and eyes and different characteristic traits that are meant to point towards God's glory. And so today, maybe instead of coming to a text like this and just going, oh, you know what, I'm going to skip to the good part. <laughs> we look at this and we go, what is God trying to show us in it? Okay. And so with that, we'll jump into the text and into the Word. Uh, and so this will be the last time, too, that we get to talk about John and, and where he's writing from as well. Uh, we know he was on this island of Patmos. It was not a fun place to be. It wasn't the Bahamas. It was a place that people were sent to die. And in the short time that John has left on the earth, uh, Jesus comes to him and he gives him this final book of our canon, the book of Revelation. And that's where we find ourselves today. We've looked at the churches and now we're still in this throne room. And I want to show you a few things in the throne room. And so the first one's going to be the creature's words. So some words that are spoken, I want us to look at these and understand what's going on. And so in verse 6, it says, And before the throne was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind and so as we are in the throne room, we've seen a variety of things already. So we've seen the throne itself. We've seen 
uh, God in His glory, all the uh, things that that looks like, uh, the precious stones and, and God in His nature and His character and His beauty. Um, it's amazing to think about. And then we come to uh, what the setting around the throne. Now, uh, if you don't know, when you're looking at the book of Revelation, you're going to see a lot of similar things or some mirrors to the Old Testament, uh, some things like uh, what it says here, and before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. Now, if you look to the Old Testament and you look at the temple, um, there were these water basins that were in the temple, uh, they were um, in the inner court, and they were used for ceremonial cleansing. And so as we look to this throne that's in heaven, there are a lot of these same elements, and we wonder why. Well, because God, as He was modeling the temple, He was pointing us towards heaven and towards the place that we would be. And so it wasn't, there weren't all these just, um, you know, nice decorative things going on. They're like, somebody goes, oh, I think a bowl here filled with water would look nice. No, uh, these are elements that are a part of the temple, not only the temple in the Old Testament, but this temple, this um, holy place, this throne room of God here in the book of Revelation, this place that will be with God in eternity forever. Uh, And so uh, we have that, that, that ceremonial cleansing place, and then there are these four living creatures, full of eyes, front and behind. It's probably not a text we would go to when you're putting the kids to bed. Uh, kids, let me tell you about where the throne room of God. And by the way, there are these, some, some creatures there. They've got eyes all over themselves. And they're in front and they're behind. Well, how many eyes do they have? <laughs> you imagine how that conversation would go? Uh, well, when, the, when John here, he's been given this word from Jesus, he's talking about these living creatures. Um, there's a number of different interpretations for this. So you might be surprised. People of notoriety have disagreed on this. And so I want to just give you what I think uh, the text is pointing us to in these living creatures. Uh, and it takes kind of looking back to what God's done in the past. In the Old Testament, if you look through Ezekiel 1 through 10, you'll see this picture of these angelic figures, these living beings, these cherubim who sit around the throne of God, and they've got this very important job. They do a number of things, but around the throne, they've got this very important job, and it's to declare God's glory. Now, some people will read this, and they'll go, oh, yeah, the living you know, figure or being with um, eyes, you know, it's really just metaphorical, or there's really some other things going on. It doesn't really have anything to do with like this, this real living being or creature that God's created to give glory to himself, okay? So when we read over these things, let's not just sort of push them to the wayside and go, ah, it's too weird, it's too strange. No, this is meant to point to God's glory uh, and these individuals. So if you look in the <clears throat> original text, these living creatures in the Greek, the zoon, uh, is translated best as living ones or living beings. So why would, why would God put in his word? There are these living beings, they've got a lot of eyes, we're going to see some more descripting things for them, but more importantly, what they're saying really matters. And if we look at texts sometimes and we go, oh, you know what? Um, it's kind of strange. I bet it doesn't really mean something literal. Then we can get into a bad place. And so as we're looking at this, we need to be reminded these are real living heavenly beings that are in he- heaven, uh, these cherubim that are declaring God's glory. And we'd be wise to listen to the words too and say, what does this mean for us? So in verse 7, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. So these cherubim, these characters, these living beings, they have these characteristic traits that um, always point me back to like God's creativity. You know, we always kind of think like God's like this like old grumpy guy who's sitting in his lazy boy in heaven, and he's like, he'll look down every once in a while and get his telescope and be like, okay, guys, 
how's everything going? Like, you aren't messing up, are you? Because I'm going to be upset about that. <laughs> no, he's, uh, God's not like that, right? He's this very creative guy, and I love how Kristen talked about last week when we were having our worship night, uh, what she gets to do and the gifts that God has given her in creating things and helping students understand their gifts. And we should never, like when we, <laughs> we see those things, we should never go, oh, that's not important. Oh, that doesn't matter because God himself, he's creative in his creation, not only of the earth of us, of human beings who bear his image, but also in these living beings. So as he's creating these guys, he's going, they got a lot of eyes, okay, and now what else do they have? Well, one's like a lion, uh, second's like an ox, and, and these different characteristic traits, this, um, this uh, creativity of God is uh, given to us in this literal form to show us uh, just how creative God is. Like when we look at this, we go like a creature like a lion. What is that meant to show or illustrate for us? Like if you were there, you'd be going like, wow, God is so amazing. He's creative, but he's powerful, right? And we see a lion. Nobody likes to play around with a lion, do they? Yeah, that's why we go to the zoo, you know? Uh, we, the last time we went to the zoo, um, the, uh, I think it was the lionesses, which are to me, kind of just as scary. You know, the guys are just, you know, they have the fluffy manes, but the girls are the ones who go out and, like, you know, get the prey and all that and get the food. So they're, they're sitting on this, um, what is this, like, glass enclosure, right? And we go around the corner, and they're just, like, laying there in the glass. Like, now they were sleeping, but anytime you get close to something like that, you're going, like, okay, <laughs> close enough. Even if you're behind glass, like, that's uh, close enough. And so when we see those kind of creatures, we go, wow, God is awesome that he created something amazing for us to see. And he says, this living creature like an ox. So God's strength, his power is illustrated here in these created beings. And one with a face like a man. Well, why is it like that? Well, there's a number of different interpretations for why the cherubim look the way that we do. And we try to understand them the best way that we can with our finite minds. But although the angelic beings, they serve purposes, they weren't like men. Okay, and so we are, we're given this placement like the elders to judge the world, and we go to heaven to be with God. And so these uh, cherubim were given characteristic traits of strength, power, and this face of man is to illustrate wisdom and God's uh, creation of uh, a being who would surpass themselves. Uh, and then here, a fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Well, not anything more majestic than that, right? As God creates, and he, he's creative with his cherubim who are sitting around the throne declaring his glory there's this one like an eagle. Well, it shouldn't surprise us, should it? Our own mascot for our country is a bald eagle. You've ever been, I don't know if you've seen a bald eagle in person, uh, but you go to the zoo and you see them and you're just like, wow, you know, what a majestic being, right? Like flying through the air. And so all of this is meant for us not to just go, oh, that's not important. I'm sure that means something. It's not a big deal. You know, let's get to another part of the Bible. Now, God's illustrating for us here his character, his nature, his beauty, uh, and, and all these other things through these characters. And then in verse 8, it says, And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So what are these beings declaring? I mean, if, if they're just like these metaphorical representations and, and they're, uh, it's in the text to point us to something else, then uh, are these words significant? That God would create a, a real figure, a heavenly being who would physically be there. There'd be this presence there who would be speaking these things. I think it carries a little more weight. And so what do they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So his goodness is declared here, his holiness, uh, that he is 
Almighty. And it's being declared from these beings, again, that if you saw, you'd be like, wow, like that is amazing. I mean, that God would create something like that, an entity to worship himself. And we'll see that they, they never get tired. They're given this purpose. They're placed there. All they're doing is just like saying this over and over again. And we think like, when we hear like some contemporary worship songs, that's like, like we like hymns, right? So we do hymns, we do contemporary. We get into some of these contemporary songs. And I've heard people say, we just repeat the same thing right? over and over again. And uh, for, for these individuals, for these living beings, they don't get tired of that. Can you imagine that? Just being around God's throne and these beings are just saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, encompassing who God is. And this is the only thing that's going on. And so they're these living creatures, so they're, they're saying these words. We've got some physical representation of who they are, God's creativity. And the second fill in the blank is the elders' actions. So there's this group here, we talked about them last week, these elders who are here, representatives of God who have uh, been faithful to God, and now they're being given this placement uh, in the throne room. And so in verse 9 it says, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and give thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, there's something that's going to take place. So as these cherubim are declaring God's glory, there's going to be a response from God's people, his elders, his representatives. And here's what they do. In verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, now they're going to say something, but I want to emphasize here these actions. So we've got these living beings, these cherubim who are declaring God's glory. And then we've got these elders who they're responding in a particular way. And we shouldn't be surprised by this because 10 says in the 24 elders, they, what do they do? They fell down before him who's seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. So what's the response? I mean, what would be our response? John himself, when Jesus shows up on the island of Patmos, and he gives him the book of Revelation, what's John's first response? Well, he just falls down on the ground, right? And uh, Jesus reaches over, and he says to him, John, it's okay. I'm the first and the last. So let me show you something. So this is a pretty normal reaction, but even these elders, even these guys, these representatives of God's people who are in heaven, who are around the throne as the angels, as the cherubim are declaring this, their response is to fall down. And what do they do? To this one who's seated on the throne, they worship him forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne. Now this last part, it's important. So they're not just falling down before the throne, they're not just worshiping God, uh, but they're doing something else. They're taking their crowns. And we've talked about crowns a lot throughout the scripture that uh, God gives us those crowns when we enter into eternity. And these elders, all these accomplishments, all these things they've done for the Lord, they're going, yeah, I'm going to set that down because the only one, well, the one who deserves the throne, the crown, is God himself in all of his glory. So isn't that amazing what our response will be around the throne? And we have our own crowns and, and we're going, God, thank you that you've given me this place, but I'm not even worthy to be here. And that's the response of the elders who are going, we're going to fall down before you and we're going to put those crowns on the ground. And that's their response. And here's the last thing, the elders' words. And I want to spend a little bit of time here because I think this is important. The elders' words, what do they say? So we've got the cherubim who are speaking. They've got some words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And why is that important? Because it represents all of God's character, who he is, who he was, what he's doing now, and what he's going to do in the future. And these elders have a few words too. So they're falling down worshiping, and they put their crowns there. And here's what they say. Worthy are you, 
O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So just looking at a few words here, and we've seen this word before here for worthy, the axios in the Greek um, just means this, um, uh, this weight, something that is uh, important or worth something. Um, Alana has this game that we play. It's this scale. And it's got all these little weighted monkeys. And I don't know if you played that with your kids before. It's cool. So all these little weighted monkeys, and it's got some numbers that are weighted too. And, and so to help teach math, you put some monkeys on one side, and then you figure out, how many monkeys do I have over there? Then I've got to put another number over here. Well, we think about it in the scale of our world and of time, uh, we put a lot of things on that scale, things that we think are important or worth something. And here the elders are going, here's the only person who's worthy. They say, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. And we think sometimes people of notoriety or people who are important or maybe even things of our life deserve worth or importance. Uh, But at the end of the day, as these elders demonstrate, while they're in the presence of God around the throne room, they're, they're bowing down, they're putting their, their crowns on the ground, and they're saying, worthy are you. That puts things in perspective for us, doesn't it? What's of real value or worth in our life? I think we put a lot of things on, on this scale, and we go, yeah, I know like a good life, um, probably no health issues, like um, you know, great marriage and family, um, not really a lot of struggle or difficulty. We go, that's worthy. Like, I, I think that's where I want to be. And, and all of this pales in comparison to God and his glory. They say, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, because that should be going to him. And this verse, uh, this word's used in Romans eight eighteen. It says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So what's not worth comparing? So these sufferings that we go through, that we, at times, they can be overwhelming. We get fixated on our worries and struggles. And we put that on that scale and we go, God, it's just these worries are worth too much to me. And if I, you know, I'm not going to put my monkeys on that side because here's what's more important to me. My concern, my worry, my status, my good life, right? And we all kind of think of the good life and what that is. And we think that's worth more. And the elders, they've, they've got it straight. They're standing in the presence of God. There's nothing else hindering them, right? And I... I'm always praying for that for us, and I want you to know I, uh, I've prayed for everybody sitting in the room I'm this morning. I do that every week, uh, and just say, God, if we could have our eyes opened a little more, if we could have just some of the things that just weigh us down, uh, that we put on that scale, uh, that we put in the area of category of worth in our lives, we could just have those pulled back a little bit. If we could see some of these things that the elders saw um, that John's describing to us, maybe our response would be a little different. Maybe we get a little less upset when things don't go the way that we want them to because this present time, well, it's not worth comparing with the glory. And so who is worthy? Well, God is. And so <clears throat> this uses a number of other different places in the text. Um, it's found in Revelation. Actually, we'll read it quite a bit next week. Revelation 5.12 says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might in honor and glory and blessing. Mm. Seems like there's only one person who deserves to be in that place who's actually worthy of that. Uh, and then there's this word created. So we've got the glory, the received glory and honor and power for you created all things. Um, 
I love it because we're, we're talking about this a lot right now um, with Alana about creation. And as we're on the way to school, we're praying and we're, we're just thanking God. We normally do that when we're praying. We're saying, thank you, God, for another day that you've created and you, um, you've, you've lifted the sun up. And <clears throat> as I was talking with Alana, I go, she, she said, you guys got really lifting the sun up. I mean, is he really making it rise? Because I've said that many times. I said, yeah, honey, because the word tells us he's not only created but he's holding everything together by his will. And sometimes we forget that. Not, and just in, in seeing God's creativity and hearing from the cherubim the words that they say, worthy is God, we, we say, yeah, God's worthy. You know, yeah, we sing about that, and that's great. And hearing the, the elders, not just seeing them fall down, but hearing the words that they're saying here, they're, they're saying he is worthy. But what else is he? Well, he's creator, and he's sustainer by his will. So this word here for created uh, is the word katizo in the Greek. And... Um, uh, it's just a, you can translate it as to, to make a place habitable or to create a place or to maintain a place of habitability. Now, <clears throat> that means more than just this God who he goes, okay, I'm going to put everything in place on this world and then I'm going to, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to get the basketball going. I'm going to spin it, spin it, spin it, spin it. And then I'm going to put it, you know, I'm going to put it on, you know, like the stick and it's hopefully going to keep going. And at some point it'll fall off and he walks away. Uh, that's not what God does. He's, he's intimately involved in every detail. And uh, we were having a conversation too about, uh, how we how we see God? Like where is He? I said, Alana, do you do you see Him? And I said, No, you can't see God. <laughs> That's what she told me. And uh, I said, Well, if you look really closely, you can see Him everywhere. Actually, in the wind as it blows the trees and the leaves around the last little bit of the trees, the snow as it comes down, He shows us His like what David said this morning during the announcements, His beauty in the seasons in creation. Here we have the seasons. Texas, it's a little different. We've got only two seasons, I think. Uh, but here, you know, we, hey, the winter's coming, the snow's coming. We go, man, that, that is awesome. It displays God's glory, whether or not you like the created uh, portion of snow uh, or not. <clears throat> here in Colossians 1.16, the same word is used, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And for him. So he created, it was for his purposes, and by his will, the text tells us he holds these things together. And so this is the other word here, the will. So we have created, and then by your will, they existed and were created. So God's got this, um, he's got this great buy-in. He's not just this God who's, he set things up and he started things spinning, and then, uh, you know, he's just, um, he'll be back in a little while. And some people will say, too, well, you know, we're starting to look out into the universe. And I saw uh, an article about that this week. And, you know, we're seeing some suns and some planets in what's called this habitability zone. I wish Andy was here because he does such a great job talking about these things. And so I was thinking about him, though, when I was reading this article. Uh, And so when I was reading that, they're going, hey, we found some other planets in this habitability zone. And there's really none that are like Earth. But that surprised us. I mean, we thought when we found these, oh, there's another Earth-like planet not going to work. I mean, you know, still too cold. I mean, you know, uh, negative 500 degrees, you know, whatever, right? <clears throat> that's, uh, that's doable. No, it's not, right? Because it's this God who intimately put everything together and put it in its place and started things spinning is still going, yeah, I still got it. I still got it, right? And so he's not just left things alone. He's not just going, I'm going to go over here and do this. And there's not any other place <clears throat> in the universe. There's not any other place like this throne room of God. He's created it each individually for its beauty. And he says this will in the Greek, the 
The lemma just means we exist and are held together. Uh, and that means a little bit more than just like, yeah, God, he, he willed it or he, he did it, he set it up, and then he's gone, he'll be back. No, he's involved in every detail. He holds everything together by the word of his mouth. And so if he stops wailing it or if he stops saying it with his mouth, it stops, right? And so God is that powerful, but we don't really think about him like that as often as we should. When we think about that, we want to think about that thelema, the will that God has so that he <clears throat> is holding everything together. It's found in Ephesians 5.17 as well. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish, <clears throat> do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's a tough thing to do, right? <clears throat> God in his nature and his character and his glory, his perfect will for us and the way that he wants each one of us to live. Uh, I've had uh, students over the years ask many times, well, what is God's will for my life? I always go, well, have you asked him? Have you searched out his word? Have you asked God, what is that? What does it look like in this world that you've created for me to be? How have you willed me to be in this life? And he shows us, not just in his glory, in the creation all around us, because it says, and by your will they exist and were created. So this all has to do with God, and he deserves all the glory and honor, all the praise. That's why the cherubim, when they're around the throne, created for that purpose, they're just going constantly, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they're saying that for a reason. They don't want us to forget it, because they're going, we're not going to stop saying it. We're going to be here forever saying that. Uh, and then the elders, they bow down, they put their crowns there, are what we little things we did, they're not even worth comparing to God's glory. And we have their words. Only they tell us the important things to remember. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. By your will they exist <clears throat> and were created. So this is a God who he's, he's much more involved than maybe the God at times we'd like to be less involved. Um, maybe <clears throat> the God that we picture at times and we just say, uh, I think if you could leave this part of my life alone, then I'd be good. If you could just not allow me, yeah, that suffering I know that has to take place so that I can be molded into your image, I'd rather not have that, so I'm good with just being this person. But no, we, we accept everything that God gives to us, and we still praise him no matter what. Whatever is going on, our perspective shouldn't change no matter our difficulty. <clears throat> and so I'll close with this. I actually have a slide I want <clears throat> to show you. It's something I added, um, I think, just yesterday. It uh, should be on there. It's a little top of a rolling pin, I think, if we have it. So <clears throat> this was uh, made by my grandfather. He passed away, actually, today, a year ago. And he had made this for my wife, Christy. This is one of the things that he did. He was a craftsman and uh, engineer, and he made these rolling pins for the ladies in our family. And he had made this one. It was in 2016. You see it on there. Uh, and, and they moved, and then he got sick, and so it was tucked away back in a storage area. And so my mom found it, and she sent us a picture this week, and um, she said, do you want this? Well, it has uh, carved uh, in my grandfather's initial CAP, Charles A. Pulaski, and then my wife, Christy, Christy S. Davis. And, um, and they put the date on there, and she found that. I said, uh, yeah, we'd, you know, we'd love that. That's like, that's like awesome. And so I was thinking this week, um, just all the things we have to be thankful for, even just like the simple things, going through a loved one's things after they've passed away, and then having this special 
uh, thing that you know they created um, that uh, you can have and remember. Uh, on Monday, uh, we had our first sonogram, and so uh, for our, our new baby, as you know, we had a miscarriage in August, and so uh, it's just been kind of an up and down you know time emotionally, and so we found out we had another child on the way, and so really thankful for that. We had a, um, a great report on Monday for that, and so uh, we were really thankful for that. And so as I've been thinking about this message and just being thankful for the throne, there's a lot of times things that we just look over, right? We go, that's not that big of a deal. That's not important. But if we'd look harder, I think we'd see God. He's encouraging us. He's showing us good things throughout all of this. On Tuesday, so this was all leading up to Thanksgiving. On Tuesday, I had my three-year uh, cancer screen. So this was marked three years from the time that I was first diagnosed with melanoma. Uh, and so I went in, you know, did the usual stuff. I don't, and I don't think you ever really get over, you know, the anxiety of that, right? You go in, you're going to another scan, and of course you're praying. You're just going, God, uh, you know, we trust you in all of this. And so I, we went in on, I went in on Tuesday and had a clear cancer check. So, you know, we were just going, praise God for that, three years, uh, without it coming back. And um, so that's something to be thankful for. And this, again, all leading up to Thanksgiving. And we get to Thanksgiving, and I remembered uh, getting a call from my mom. So my dad uh, had a heart attack on Thanksgiving Day last year. And so I was getting ready to get on a plane to go down to Dallas-Fort Worth because my grandfather was not doing well, basically on his deathbed. Uh, And so um, I was thankful that my dad was still around, um, that he had had a heart attack and uh, when we went there, I was going back and forth between the hospital and my grandparents' house, and um, it was kind of still, and it was in this time frame of going, okay, I'm two years without cancer. There's a lot of things that we, we overlook that we should be thankful for, not just for the throne, uh, but for these little things that God shows us in his character and in his glory. And um, I, I'll share one last thing. I actually wrote this last night. I still haven't gotten through it without tearing up. So uh, this last part I wrote is about... Uh, that day. So a year ago, all this whole week kind of leading up to this has been again up and down, up and down, up and down, like life is. And uh, a year ago, I had just dropped my mom off at the hospital. And I, I got to spend the night with my dad, who was still there. I'm going back to my family's house. And I got the call, my call uh, from my Aunt Felicia. And she was staying with my uh, grandparents at the time. And she said, your grandfather's passed away. And those times, you really... You don't really know what to say. You know, you're expecting it, but then you just go, I think all I said was, okay, wow. I think I hung up the phone. And um, went back to the hospital, and uh, you don't even have words there, too. So I just looked at my mom, and she, she knew. And uh, so we hugged and had tears and uh, went back to the house. And I, I couldn't help but keep thinking. Like, even after thinking about that a year later, all the things God has brought us through and taught us, even in this last year, I go, there's so many things that we forget to be thankful for, right? Uh, we, we think about the throne and we go, yeah, God, we should, we should worship you. We're sitting in that place. We don't quite have the, the right perspective being here on earth. But he shows us little things, how we should be thankful, why we should be thankful. And then, too, I was just thinking today, I was getting up and I was praying for us, for the church, uh, and I was going, you know who has the best perspective? Those who have already gone before, right? As they sit around the throne... And they're worshiping, they're here in the cherubim, and they're going, yeah, this all makes sense now, because I'm seeing it clearly. And so that hope that we have, and being thankful, and you know, seeing something like that, and not knowing that that was even there, uh, we're reminded, and we're encouraged, that we should not only be thankful for the throne, but everything else that takes place. And so in this being thankful for the throne, this part two, uh, we've heard the creature's words, uh, we've 
seeing the elders' actions, why they did that, why they fell down and said, here's the crown, I don't need it, I don't want it. And then the elders' words as well, saying God's the only one who's worthy. And man, he teaches us so much in just getting this glimpse of the throne room. And so, I don't know, I, I pray that as we um, move out of this, I want to leave you with just one quote, because I didn't quote anybody else um, in, the, in the message. Um, <clears throat> I was reading through the Westminster Confession of Faith, uh, and one of the things they talk about is the chief or end purpose of man. So what's the main purpose or what's the main goal of man? I think that the throne room gives us this perspective of thankfulness for who God is and what he's doing even right now and things that he's showing us. But the conclusion is, that, is this, that we are to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, and I think that starts now. I don't think that as we go through the diff- different seasons, through the difficulty, through the, through the thankful seasons, that we, we have to go, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for that throne room. Uh, there's things that God's showing us now that when we look at this, we go, what, what is the chief purpose? What's the end goal? Well, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that can start right now with this right perspective that we can have, okay? And so, I don't know, maybe you're here today and you've, like, you've been hearing this, you're going to the throne room, there's a lot of weird things going on, there's living beings, there's elders, I don't really get it. Well, the first place you need to start is saying, you know, God, I need your help. I need to enter into a relationship with you through Jesus. Uh, and so it's as easy as this. Uh, admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead for every single one of us. That if we confess with our mouth, then we have eternal life. Uh, and so my hope um, is that if, maybe that's you, if you've never made that decision, you're online, you're here in person, uh, that you could make that decision today. Um, so I'll be here afterwards if you'd want to talk about that. If you're here in person, uh, if you're online, reach out to us at the email that's still on the website. Uh, and so I w- what I want to do is just uh, pray for us. Coming out of Thanksgiving, um, just uh, not feeling like I didn't want to lay a lot of heavy things on you, but just share with you where we're at, because I know we all struggle. I know we all have victories. Um, and, and if we could have this right perspective um, of being thankful for the throne, but all these little things that God's showing us and he's teaching us as we move towards that place, as we move towards that throne room. Uh, man, so many more things I think we could learn and this closeness that we could have with God and that right perspective. Uh, so let me pray for us. We'll close. Uh, Father, we uh, come to you uh, this morning. Um, God, in this uh, picture of your beauty um, you've given us in the snow uh, of the seasons, um, God, in the, the words of the, the living beings who are there with you, the cherubim, who uh, are just constantly singing about your uh, worth, God, I pray that um, we would have this in the right perspective, uh, that these uh, actions by the elders would be actions that, that, God, maybe we can even in some way live out right now, that we're Uh, We're putting these things before you, God. All all the things that we do that we think are even good, God, they're not even worth comparing to who you are uh, and the the character and the beauty that you have when we'll be with you. And and God, these words, uh, the elders that we've heard, um, God, you are worthy. Um, There's nothing else that is. I pray that as we think about um, your creation, the things that you've done, you've held everything together, and you're still doing that right now, and you have purpose and placement for us, I pray that we can hold that in right perspective as we uh, move forward. Thank you for the reminders of your goodness, of your uh, worth, of your uh, glory, and how we can be thankful not just for the throne as this anticipated place it will be, uh, but for the throne um, that we can see just a glimpse of right now um, through the glory that you're showing us here on earth. Help us to be thankful for all those little things and how you continue to teach us each day and that you hold it all together. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Have a good Sunday. Enjoy the snow and then make sure your students are